This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's David Fuller with special guest, five-time NHRA Pro Stock World Champion, Greg Anderson. Here we go. Welcome to another On All Cylinders Podcast. I'm your host, Dave. And this time around, we have a very special guest, NHRA Pro Stock World Champion, once again, Greg Anderson. Greg, uh, thanks for your time. Good afternoon, David. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So I know as we start this conversation, you guys are getting ready to go out and start testing uh, for 2022. But first of all, congratulations on last year. And we need to start there. We need to start to talk about 2021 because it was a monumental year for you. Uh, Was that perhaps the most gratifying season of your career? Well, definitely, certainly most gratifying season in a long, 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 long time. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to say if it was of my career or not, but I guess I can't lie. You know, the older you get and the longer it seems to be between championships and between great seasons, then you you really, really, really appreciate them nowadays. It's it's like there's so many things go through your head over those years where you struggle to win, you struggle to close out championships. You, you certainly start to wonder, will I ever win another one again? So you, you definitely got plenty of doubts. You come back hard, you try every year, but you certainly think, you know what, it's not going to get any easier as I get older. It's certainly not going to get easier, but you know, it, it was just a, a special year. We started off the year and, and I could see that my car was, was happy right from the get go. And I, and I won the very first race, I believe at Gainesville, we started the season last year at Gainesville instead of Pomona. And I won the first race right out of the gate and, and the car was great. You know, previous seasons, it seems like I, I've, I haven't raced well. You know, my car's been okay. It's been fast on, on occasion, but it hasn't been real good on Sundays. It hasn't been consistent on Sundays. And when we came to the first race this year at Gainesville, we obviously made a lot of car changes over the winter and tested a lot over the winter and we qualified well. And I said, well, we'll find out come Sunday. If we've we've gone the right direction with with these changes we've made or not, if the car is raceable on Sunday, and lo and behold, it it, it was strong right from E1 through E4, and we got the race win, and, and you know really turned the page because that that was definitely the the weak point in our in our program. We, we were struggling to race with my particular race car on Sundays. It just wasn't consistent, and by the time you got to second, third, even fourth round. We, you know, basically stepped on landmines and we, we shook the tires. We made a bad run, made a bad quality run. And you know, I don't know how many times I told myself, I just can't seem to win with this car. It's fast, but it's not fast on Sundays and it's not consistent on Sundays. So when we got to Gainesville and we proved that it could go four rounds on Sunday with track changing conditions as the day goes on, I thought, man, we might really have something here. So, you know, that, that, that gave us confidence, but it, it continued to show race after race after race that not only could it qualify fast, but it could race fast all day Sunday. So I honestly had a car this year that I think every single event that I went to, we had 17 on the schedule this year. And I think every single event that I went to, I told myself going into Sunday, I've got a great chance to win. And you just don't have that feeling every year. And, and you don't have that package every year where you go into Sunday thinking you've got a great chance to win. Sometimes you go into Sunday thinking I need a, a Hail Mary. I need a, a, <laughs> on a wing and a prayer here. And I need something good, good luck to happen. Otherwise I can't win. Wasn't that way last year. The car was great and it was consistent. And every Sunday I showed up with confidence knowing that if I just did my job, I could probably win this race. So it was a cool year. And you just don't get a lot of years like that, David. It's it's hard to find. And, and we really found a sweet spot on this race car. And it just stayed there all year long. 
you know, we found a way to, to win our fifth championship. So pretty doggone cool year. Well, you give a lot of credit, obviously, to the car. You're obviously very happy with it. Um, what, what did you identify and what, what other, um, you mentioned uh, some of the track day, the tuning uh, on Sundays. What was the difference? We actually ended up at the, at the end of the previous season, we ended up parking the car that I'd been in for the last two, three years. Like I say, it was it was a great car, and it was a pretty car, and it was a fast car. It just wasn't real raceable on Sunday for whatever reason. And, and we went back and forth, thinking, you know, we're just not finding that sweet spot. We got to keep trying. We got to keep trying. We got to keep trying. And finally, by the end of 2020, we decided, you know what? Let's just try a different car and just see what happens with a different car. And 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 we did. And this particular car that we we jumped into is was kind of an experiment. It actually car belongs to Dave Kramer and Derek Kramer. And they had built a new car and they said, you know, why don't you try our old one? Just to, to give that one a try and see what you think before you build a new one. Try that one. We've got a new car coming. So we're going to move into the new car anyway. Want to try this car? We stayed had great success with this car. So I gave it a try and, and it responded better to the changes we made to it, to the tuning changes you made. It just flat responded better. So, you know, all these cars are built basically on the same jig and, and by the same guy. And, and for some reason, you just can't seem to get two of them alike. You know, no matter how hard you try. They've all got their own personality and, you know, they, they just want to be treated a little bit different somehow. So that's the problem you kind of have, I think, David, when you have four or five team cars, you you have success with one or two of them. And you think that you should be able to do the same things that you do with those successful cars to the other cars. And for some reason, they won't accept that setup. So it's almost a, you know, a, a negative that you have team cars because you keep telling yourself if it's good for this one. It's got to be good for the other ones. And, and honestly, you can't treat them that way. You have to treat them each. Like they're their own entity. They're their own person. They got their own personality, just like a person. And you have to rub them a little different way. So this this particular car happened to fall into more of the direction of, of the way we like to tune. And it just basically had a bigger tuning window, you know, before you could screw it up. So it's uh, it, it's basically a loner car from the Kramers. And, and I thank them every day that they agreed to let me give it a try. And, and now that I've got it and I've had a great year with it. I'm going to fight to hang on to that, maybe. <laughs> I bet. As they say, you know, possession is nine-tenths of the law, so they're going to have a hard time getting it back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you've been doing this quite a while. I mean, it's almost unexplainable then, right? I mean, just the way how some of these cars react. Obviously, you guys have a wealth of knowledge. You got data. It's almost as if they have their own personalities, and you just kind of have to go with that. They do, and you know, it takes you a lot to kind of bite the bullet and realize that and buy into that theory because it shouldn't be. They're built on the same jig. They're built the same way the same specs, same tubing sizes everywhere, same location everywhere. So why would they be different? But there's obviously something that, that happens different in the construction of the cars. And, you know, when you get one that basically what you look for in a car is you look for a car that's got a, a wide tuning window. In other words, where you can probably make a mistake and that car still goes down the racetrack. And then you have cars that seem to have a narrow tuning window where if you make a little mistake on the clutch or or whatever, they, they shake the tires, they don't make it down the track. So that's the big difference car to car. And that's what you look for. And that's what I didn't have before. And that's what I've got now. So that was the big difference. That, that made the big change. And, you know, we chiseled away all year long at, at the power level too, and, and made small gains here and small gains there. But basically, if you don't have a car that's, that's willing to show what you do with the engine, it does you no good. So it all came together. The whole package came together last year. And, you know, it was just a fun, fun year. I really probably should have won more races than I did. Because as I said, every race day I went into Sunday morning, I felt like, you know, I had a great chance to win and I made a lot of final rounds and lost 
you know, on, on close final rounds. And more to, often than not, it was because of the driver, the guy behind the wheel. You know, they got nobody to point a finger at but myself. So there was no screaming or yelling or panicking or anything. You just got to go home and try harder the next race. And knowing in the back of your mind, you're still going to have a great horse. They're going to have a great car. So if you can do the job driving, you got a great chance of winning. So that's the, the game plan and the mindset we had the rest of the year. And, and we ended up getting our share of wins and uh, finding a way to the championship. So very gratifying, very fulfilling, fulfilling year. Yeah, again, you give the car a lot of credit, but uh, you're obviously doing a lot right. And that led to a record-breaking win toward the end of the year, most pro-stock wins. What does that mean to you? And uh, did you ever envision getting to this point? <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I envisioned, could I ever win a race? And it, when it started back in 2001, and I got lucky a couple of times, and I won two the first two races of my career back in 2001, it was certainly looked at as a you know, a, a lucky deal or, a, you know, a one and done type of guy. Everybody kind of said, you know, he just got lucky. He just got lucky. But it definitely, it opened the floodgates for, that was the year that when we first started in 2001, we didn't have Jason Lyon on hand. We didn't have Rob Downing on the team. And I went through 2001 and, and we ran and we won a couple of races that we probably shouldn't have won. And at the end of that year, uh, I made a tough decision. I made a tough decision to, to move on from the people I had working with me. And I brought in Rob Downing as, as my new crew chief. And I brought in Jason Line to help out in the engine department. And then that's when we really took off and things started to really, really, really come together. We made big power gains and we started winning a lot of races. So, you know, then I started thinking, man, we must have, we might have something really special here. But when I first started this deal, David, no, I, I just hoped and prayed that, that I could someday win a race. You'd be lucky enough to win a race. And here we are, 99 races later, and we've got the record. And it was kind of fun during the year once it got close. You know, even in, even until you get right to that number, you think it, it'll probably never happen. So stop worrying about it. Stop dwelling on it. And then, you know, we came out and started this great year, and we inched closer to that number. And I think by Atlanta, we got within one. And then it became real. Maybe we can really do this deal and break this record. And it became a, a you know, a, a, a real challenge. And it was certainly on my mind a lot, but I kept telling myself, I think it's okay to focus on that. And, and I don't think that's going to hurt you because the bottom line is you're worried about trying to win a race. If you win a race, that's going to pay the most dividends towards the whole rest of the, the story, which is gaining the most points, you know, towards the world championship. So I let myself think about it. I let myself dream about it, you know. It was the same common goal. You win a race and you set the record. You win a race, you set the most, earn the most points, you win a championship. So it all came together and, and we had a special year. We broke Warren Johnson's record and we got to 99 wins by the end of the season. And it just, uh, it's surreal to be honest with you. And I just didn't think about that number until I finally got within probably one of it. Then I started really thinking about it. So it, it's, uh, it, it's a cool deal and, and you never know how long you'll be able to do this deal. I mean, look back a year and a half ago when we went through the, the serious, serious COVID deal and the, sh the sport shut down, you know, you had months and months to think, will we ever be able to get back in a race car again? And you had no earthly idea. So all those numbers and, and you know, you, you just, you never know. You're never guaranteed another opportunity to break a record or to set a record or to win a race. You're, there's never any guarantees. It can stop tomorrow on a dime. And, and we came very close to that. We got a lucky break. We got a new start. The reins got freed. We got to be able to go back to the racetrack and try and work on that number again. But there was plenty of times where I thought we may never get a chance to even try to go break that record. So crazy deal. Yeah. Don't take anything for granted after these last couple of years, especially. You mentioned Warren Johnson. Uh, did breaking his record make it that much more special uh, based on your relationship with him and, and where he started from? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I absolutely would not be where I'm at if it wasn't for Warren Johnson. I spent 12 years at his university, at his college. I learned a ton. I had a blast working with him. And, and quite honestly, and I've told this story before, I didn't have driving aspirations. I never thought I was at that job to try and learn how to eventually drive a race car. I loved working on them. I loved being a crew chief. I loved working on them. That's what I had known all my life. The driving thing, that, that happened one day by accident. I, I thank him every day for all he did and all he taught me and all I learned there. And, and I certainly would not be where I'm at today. The, the whole deal started one day, his son and I, Kurt Johnson and myself, we were crew chiefs on, I was crew chief on Warren's car and Kurt was crew chiefs on our, our second team car. And for some reason we had a bad day. Warren had a bad day. And, and I guess we were, we got a little lippy with him and, and, and we were trying to explain to him how to drive. And of course, neither of us had ever been on a race car before. He got mad and he said, look, I've heard enough of you guys. You have no earthly idea what it's like on the inside of one of these cars. I'm going to send both of you to Roy Hill's driving school. You're going to get inside of one of these pro stock cars. and You're going to learn just how difficult it is to drive one of these things. I'm tired of listening to it. So the next week he sent us to the school and that was it. We both got the bug. We both got the driving bug after that. I, I had to kind of bide my time and, and work another couple of years as a, as a crew chief. I certainly needed the job more than anything. So I, you know, bided my time and, and started looking for the opportunity to drive. But before that, I had no inclination I'd ever drive a race car. So it's kind of funny how it all happened. It, it happened because of Warren. You know, all these things happened because of Warren. I learned all this stuff. And then he's the one that sent us to the driving school. So he started my driving career, basically. So you knew right then and there after the Roy Hill experience that that's kind of what you wanted to do. Um, and also, I mean, you still enjoy working on the cars as well. So what's, uh, is it driving's the thing for you now, or is it still, you kind of got the bug to work on the, the cars? You know, I, I think, David, I kind of give it about a 50-50. I, I, I absolutely love working on them. And I could not be one of those guys that goes to the racetrack and does nothing but sit in the trailer until it's time to go run and go jump in the race car and drive the race car. I, I couldn't do that. That would not be fun to me and, and not challenging enough. So I want to work on the race cars, number one. Driving the race car is 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 great. It's fun. It's cool. But I want to say it's about a 50-50 deal. I, I, I certainly enjoy the working on it absolutely as much as I do driving it. And I think, you know, the fact that I work on them and the fact that I've basically worked from front bumper to rear bumper on these cars for all these years, I think it makes me a better driver. So I, I recommend that. And, and that's kind of not the way of the future. You see all these young kids coming in here that are they're driving these cars and driving the wheel off them. But I still feel They'd even be better if they had spent years, you know, working on cars as, as, as mechanics, as crew chiefs. So it's just a different way of looking at things, I guess. But it's definitely what I like, what I've, you know, what I, I appreciate the fact that I went through all those years of learning how to work on race cars. And, and it's just, it's very gratifying, both ends of it, because I know for a fact you do not win one of these race cars just because of the way the driver drives or just because of the way the guys that work on the race car Work on them. You have to win as a team and everything's got to be right. The class is so close anymore that everything about the race car and about the way that guy drives that race car. And I don't mean just cutting a light. I mean, the way you shift the thing, the way you, you do your burnout, everything has to be the same every time. And you have to be within 50 or hundred RPM of your shift point every time down that racetrack or you lose ET, you lose hundreds of a second. So People don't really see that. They, they think a driver is nothing but that reaction time, and that's not really true. So, you know, there's a whole lot goes into it, and not one of them ingredients can be left out or, or missed or not done well, or you won't win. So it, it is truly a team effort. 
over the years, you know, how has your driving evolved and how has your approach evolved as you've gotten older or has it at all? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely probably evolved. And, and I'm not going to say it's gotten easier over the years. And, and it, this is hard for people to understand. But, you know, when I first started out the driving end of it, it seemed like that that reaction time deal, that reacting to that Christmas tree was all you worried about. And, and because of that fact, and because of the fact that you were so excited to be in a race car, first of all, and all you thought about was cutting that light, that part of it became easy. And, it, you know, it, it took years to get the rest of the part of it, the shifting properly, the, the burnout properly, the you know, the, the feeling what the car does down the racetrack and being able to make your, your best guess on what to do to it for the next run to make it better. That all came years down the road. So as years have gone on, that reaction time thing, that doing nothing but going up there thinking about cutting a light, that's been harder and harder to achieve. You have too many things on your mind. You're thinking about too many other things and, and you know too much, I guess, about the car now. That reaction time becomes, you know, clouded by all the other things in your mind. And, and I said it a million times, you have to be able to completely 100% purge your mind of any thoughts of any kind when you're staging that race car and getting ready to try and cut a light. Otherwise, you will not cut a light. And the longer I do this and and the more I supposedly learn and the more feel I have and the more runs I've made, it becomes tougher to uncloud your mind and be able to do that. So, yeah, I'd like to say I've gotten better, gotten better, gotten better. But that part has become tougher because you just can't seem to purge your mind of all the other thoughts. So, I believe, I guess I've been, I've gotten better at the, all the other things outside of cutting the reaction time, all of the, the handling of the race car, the shifting, the, you know, the proper ways of doing things and feeling things. I've probably gotten better at all that as the years have gone on, but the reaction has become a tougher, tougher challenge. So it's kind of funny and it's hard to explain to people. Oh, well, like you said, so much goes into it. You get better at other parts, you know, maybe it's uh it's a little bit harder, but obviously the ingredients are, are working out very well for you here. You know, but, David, don't kid ourselves if we just want to flash back to 10 years ago or whatever, you know. You didn't have 16 cars that qualified on Sunday. You probably had two or three of them that really had a, a serious chance of winning. Nowadays, 16 cars that qualify, you've got a realistic 14 of the 16 that absolutely should and could win. So I know we say it every year, but the competition has gotten tougher every year, and it's harder to win because of that. And that, that, that's the other thing that's different than years past. Yeah, I, yeah I was, that's one of the things I was going to ask was just sort of the state of, of the class and really NHRA in general, but pro stock class and then, you know, some of the up and comers, uh, there's a lot more folks out there that can win on any given Sunday. Absolutely. Positively. And, and it's not only could, but like, I'm a, I'm a, I guess you'd consider me, if I'm going to go and bet on a Sunday race, I'd, I'd be as close to a, an inside trader as you could get, right? I should have all the information. I should have the download on everything. I should be able to pick who's going to win. And I can't. I cannot pick any given Sunday who should be the favorite or who should win, who shouldn't win it. Because there's realistically, you know, 12 to 14 cars that should win. How do you pick it? You know, it just comes down to who makes a mistake and who doesn't make a mistake. The class is great right now. It's absolutely yeah. great. If you look at competition level, it's never been this high. It's never been this deep. So, you know, I feel very proud. I feel like, you know, we here at KB Racing help create that ourselves in, in, in a group at Elite Motorsports. We, you know, we kind of bit the bullet four or five years ago and, and decided it was time to do something about the class, make it stronger. And we decided to basically start renting race cars, engines, complete rides, you know, where, where these people could come in and, and write a reasonable check. And that dollar figure, you know, came way down from years past. They can come in, they can jump in the same exact equipment that Greg Anderson drives, that Erica Anders drives, the same exact engine, the same exact car. And then you come in with these young kids that can jump in with any equipment like that. 
they can win just like that. So we made that change and, and we created this monster, so to speak. So it certainly made it more difficult for, you know, the likes of myself to win. But we saved the class, I think. We, we made the class a lot stronger. And, and that's the result. You've now got 14 of 16 that couldn't shoot win any, any given Sunday. And yet here you are back on top of the class. And uh, that's got to be really gratifying that you were able to sort of strengthen the class, like you mentioned. But yet you're still you're on top. Yeah, basically to, to tell myself that I survived all these young guns that are they're a completely deadly killer on the tree. And, and they've got every bit as good of equipment as I'm driving. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. I feel like I dodged a bullet. I feel like I dodged that young gun bullet this year. And how long can I do that? How many years can I do that? I don't know. But they've absolutely forced me to raise my game too. So that's the cool part of it too. You 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 either have to find a way to raise your your level of your game or get out. And I don't really feel like I want to get out yet. I'm having too much fun. So I had to find a way to raise my game. And, and somehow I raised it enough this year where I was able to win a lot of races and, and win a championship. So I'm, uh, I'm still digging, man. I'm, I'm not giving up yet. And I still feel like I can and, and will win and, and compete for championships. So when that day comes, I'll, I'll know when these guys certainly pass me by and, and I can't win anymore, then I'll step aside and I'll hand the steering wheel over to somebody younger and, and uh, I'll get out. But that day is not today. So I'm going to keep digging and keep trying to raise that race number win, get over 100, 100 be the next not mark on my on the, on the uh, holster, get over that number and try to find a way to win a sixth championship, be the plan next year. So it's still great. And it's still, I'm still very positive and, and still having fun. Always on to the, the next challenge. Uh, and I want to get into 2022 here a little bit with some questions. But before we do that, uh, one last thing, kind of looking back, and, and this kind of goes, this goes back a ways. And you know, when I first met you, it was around that 2004 season, which was really a dream season uh, for yeah. you with the wins and I just dominating, kind of hearkening back to what you said, where, uh, you know, kind of transposing it to now where anybody can win. You dominated that season. Just how does that season sort of compare to what you accomplished this year? Because, I mean, obviously the milestones this year, how does that season compare? And uh, That season was probably the most fun season ever, no doubt. Our goal here at KB Racing, myself, Jason Line, uh, Rob Downing, all our guys here, our goal is to find a way to crush the competition, to destroy the competition, to dominate the competition. That's our goal every day. We try to make gains every day, horsepower level, car level, driving-wise, every way to get back to those days of, of dominance, right? So that's the goal. Now, as time has gone on and all these things have changed, that's become harder and harder to achieve because the talent level is now so deep that, that it's hard to string together race wins, race wins. You've had the same rules package in the class for the last five years. So everybody's kind of condensed down into this one little bubble where everybody makes within five or 10 horsepower. So it's a different way of racing nowadays. So I think I'll describe that year as absolutely positively the most fun year we've ever had racing. And I'll probably describe this last year as probably my most gratifying season of racing because I found a way to beat these guys with basically the same power. We just did a better job of putting all the nuts and bolts in the right place and, and making all the right decisions on race day. And, and I'm telling you that this entire class, David, is probably within somewhere from zero to 10 horsepower. So basically nothing. And, and to find a way to win in those conditions, that's, that's really gratifying on the whole spectrum of it, on the driving end of it, on, on the tuning end of it, on all the ends of it. So was it as much fun as that glory year? Probably not. 
Because you, you agonize and you agonize every day because anybody can beat anybody right now. So even first round, you come out first round, you qualify number one and you come out first round and you can get your, your tail handed to your first round and it will not be considered an upset anymore. It happens every day and, and it happens a lot. So it's just a lot more landmines out there to step on these days than we're back then. And then somehow we found a way to get around them. So I'll, I'll call this season the most gratifying. Really, how, how much quicker uh, can these cars get? And how do you even look for that? You look everywhere from front bumper to rear bumper because there, there's not, as, as the rule package is nowadays, there's, there's not a lot of room left for big games, basically, to, to, to put it as bluntly as I can. So you have to look for one horsepower here, one horsepower there, two horsepower here. And, and the same thing, not just with the engine, but with the race car itself. You know, what can I do to this race car to gain a few thousandths of a second? Because there's so many races right now that are won by thousands of a second that that makes a difference. That makes a huge, huge difference. So, you know, we, we had a lot of days back in those glory years where we're, we would find 10, 15, 20 horse on a dyno in a day. That was obviously a great day, but you just don't have those days anymore. Everything's kind of been picked through and then hammered over so many times. Same parts. Everybody's got the same parts and pieces, basically, and the same rules package. There's, that just is not happening anymore. So you got to find it by small, 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 small pieces. It's made you actually focus on every single inch of the race car instead of just the engine like you did 10 years ago. We just make more power, we'll win. Well, that's not the case nowadays. You, you're kind of limited on what you can do to gain power nowadays. So you better look other places and try and find thousands in other places. And that's what it's become. It's a complete team effort, not just the engine shop, but all the car shop and, and, and the drivers. As I said before, if you shift them wrong, you lose hundreds of a second. So it's a new way of racing, I guess. It's a tougher way, a new way, but as I said, probably the most gratifying at the end of the day. So let's talk a little bit about racing as a champion, uh, sort of that proverbial, uh, the hunted versus the hunter. Yeah. When you're coming off a championship season, uh, is it any different? Well, you certainly won't sneak up on anybody anymore. That's for sure. Everybody yeah. at your race will, you know, say to themselves, I want to beat his ass because he beat me so many times last year. He's got that number one on his car and I want to beat him that. So everybody you race from first round through fourth round on Sunday, everybody's going to want your blood. And, and that's the way it should be. I, I do like that. I personally like that. I, I think that anything that can happen out there that gets my heart started a little bit better and, and adrenaline pumping a little better, the better off I am. You know, the more pressure that gets put on me, I, I think the better things usually go. And I need that sometimes. So I look forward to it. I, I like to be that guy with a target on his back. I always did. And I still do. And, uh, you know, I, I know going up there, I'm not going to catch anybody by surprise the way I run or anything like that. They all know I'm going to be fast. And they all know they got their, their hands full trying to beat us. So they will absolutely be trying to throw their biggest start they can every round I run. So I know that. I realize that. But I accept that challenge. Let's talk a little bit of, of, again about last year. Team dynamic was was different, right? Jason Lyon was not with you. Uh, you're kind of going through another COVID season, so to speak. Just talk about the differences in 2021, just from that team perspective. And uh, was there any adjustment period there? Or did you feel like you'd hit the ground running? There was definitely a lot of adjustment having, you know, Jason Lyon stay home. As I said earlier, you know, we kind of created this deal where we, we, we started all these rental programs and all these team cars and everything. You know, basically, that was our new business model. So what that meant is is basically all the races that that Jason was at and driving a race car, he was spending so much of his time tuning all the rental customers' cars, all the fuel injection, the whole tuning of the engine type deal. And, and people probably don't realize how extensive that is 
every minute of your day from one run to the next, you're making changes on that laptop computer to tune that fuel injection, to tune that you know timing curve, to make that car as, as good as you can every single run. You got weather swings that you have to go through and you have to make all those changes on your laptop. So Jason Line handled the brunt of it. I basically tuned my own car and he handled his own car and all the rental cars. So that was a huge job that he did. And then with this year, with him deciding to step back and stay home in the shop, well, it made things completely different at the racetrack, made a dynamic completely different where I now had to jump in and handle the tuning of all these rental cars. So it, 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 it put a whole lot more on my plate, which was certainly a challenge. I'm not going to complain about it because apparently it paid dividends. <laughs> Jason Line being able to stay home, stay at the race shop. Uh, and I've always said this, you know, when we pack up to go to a racetrack, we basically pack up the entire race team. So our, our R&D department, our engine development department, it shuts down for those four or five days that you go to the race, right? Some of the other teams, they, they, they aren't set up like that, structured like that. Their engine department keeps digging while the guys are out racing. So that was a difference this year that, that we had where Jason was able to stay home, spend more time. So our, our engine t- department didn't shut down when we left to go race. So it, I think that is pretty obvious to the world that it paid dividends as far as developing power and developing these engines and, and keeping them you know, maintained in, in perfect shape. So that was the, a huge positive. Probably you know, the negative on my side is that I was completely busy at the racetrack. I guess that keeps me out of trouble too. So I'm not going to complain about that. You know, somehow it worked. So completely different dynamic than years before, but it, it definitely worked. So uh, I'm not going to argue that, that that everything's just fine that way. So, so Jason stays stays back, uh, works on the engine program, winding the road. And then you have folks like Dallas Glenn out with you this year as, as an up-and-comer. Talk a little bit about him and what do you see in him and what makes him successful so far? Uh, I'm not even sure how to describe Dallas. He's He's been a crew member. For us, for probably, I'm thinking it's probably been seven, eight years now. He is a great, great employee. He is a hardworking son of a gun. He never has a bad day. He's excited all the time. He's always had a dream of driving a race car, driving a pro stock car. He's drove plenty of bracket cars, but he's always had a dream of someday being able to drive a pro stock car, right? Well, he got his opportunity this year. So when we took him down to Florida over the, over the off season to basically see if Dallas could get his license, it was probably the easiest challenge anybody's ever had at learning how to drive a pro stock car and, and to acquire their license. He took so little coaching from either myself or Jason Line. We basically handed him the car keys and, and, and he took off on his own and proved right away from the very first race we went to that he could drive one of these things. And not only could he drive one, but he could drive one that he could win. He could make it win. It was a pleasant surprise. It was very interesting through the year. I, I think he shocked a lot of people that how quickly he took to this and how quickly he could, you know, get his game elevated right to the top level. I, I like I said earlier, I, I feel that I dodged a lot of bullets this year with all these young guns. And he is certainly one of them that I dodged. No question in my mind. I know the equipment he's in and I know the way the kid can drive. So I was very, very fortunate to, to get around him this year. And, and this coming year, people better watch out. He absolutely will be even better than he was last year. And just the package that he puts on the racetrack every time between the, the reaction time and the way his car runs, he is going to be a complete, complete handful. So good news is he's on my team. He can still whoop my butt. So, you know, I'd rather have him on my team than the other team, but he can still whip my butt. So he's uh, excited about the new year. He certainly proved what he is and what he can do. 
and I see every bit of it doing nothing but getting better. So he's so far over overachieved what anybody thought he would be or could be. It's a great story. I'm telling you, a few years down the road, he's going to be winning a lot of races. And uh, not even a few years down the road. This year, he's probably going to be winning a lot of races. Yeah, yeah. I got to imagine it's, it's very gratifying for you. And it's a lot of fun to watch. It's like I said, it's that deal before. When you first come in and you're having so much fun just strapping into that race car, you got a smile as big as the state of Texas on your face. And you're thinking about nothing but cutting a light. It's a dangerous combination. He's there right now. And, uh, you know, it's a a handful. He is going to be a handful. So at the outset, I I talked about, you know, you're getting ready to to test. So, uh, you know, what's on the agenda here uh, the next uh, couple of weeks as you head into the the season? Yep. We've had about a month to to be home and work on stuff. And and the great news of winning a, a championship at the end of the year, everybody goes home happy smile on their face and wanting to work. So it's, it's like a snowball effect. The better you do, the more you want to work because you enjoy that feeling so much of winning. So we're going to go down to Florida and, uh, and do some testing and, and see, shake out some of the new projects we've been working on. So that's exciting times for us. Uh, I said it a million times before, you have to make some hay in the off season because, you know, when you're busy during the race season, running racetrack to racetrack, basically what you're doing in between races and maintaining your engines. You're really not having a lot of time to do any kind of development or R&D or testing. You're just kind of maintaining what you've got, especially when you've you know, got as many rental cars as we've got. So this is the time of year that you've got to make progress. You've got to make some, some gains, you know, both car-wise and, and horsepower-wise. So we look forward to the very first test that when we do go down and, and shake out what we've done, See if our last month's worth of work is paid dividends or not. So we're excited about that. So how soon you know, after a championship season like that do you turn your attention to the following season? How long do you <laughs> give yourself to enjoy it? Well, I don't know. It was probably four or five hours on an airplane, I guess, that we, we didn't, <laughs> didn't worry about it. But as soon as we got back to the shop, it's time. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's like the worst, the best drug in the world, that, that shot in the arm that you get when you win a championship like that. It just makes you want to work so much harder. Do so many more things to try and get better because you love that feeling. You know, when I had 10 years of, of not having that feeling and then you get it, it's a completely different attitude. Everything about yourself is more positive and, and it's not a job you're going to every day. It's an, it's, a, it's an absolute joy to come to work every day and you're just excited every day coming to work because I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. So it's a, it's a lot of fun when you're, when you're in the spot we're in right now. Well, we're certainly behind you. Excited to see uh, see how everything plays out, and uh, very very happy for you. Congratulations again, Greg, and and thanks so much for your time. It's been a great ride. Obviously, all these years together with Summit Racing Equipment has been an honor to me. We're still digging. We're still going forward together, and I'm gonna try and get another one this year, guys. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast, powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.